Hi, I'm Manu Entereme, Ichab from Star Trek Voyager and the executive producer of The Circuit Urbiesa, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another wondrous edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie, and I've pulled together my own Justice League to discuss the latest entry in the DC Expanded Universe, Wonder Woman. With me are Angus. Hello. And Natalie. Hi. <laughs> Hello. So that's Hi. the Justice League being introduced. We're the, oh, the yeah. Z team. I don't know. Is there a, is there a letter lower than Z? Um, possibly in um, Kryptonian. What alphabet are we using? Omega. <laughs> no, Omega's like the end of times. We're not that good. <laughs> I don't know what that oh. means, but okay, huh? Yeah. We're we're not good enough to end the world with our chat. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Derailed already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we've Bring on the pep talk. Bring on the pep talk, yeah. So, Wonder Woman, we've all seen it, yeah. and we'll kick off with our initial spoiler-free thoughts. Natalie, as the token woman on this podcast about a female-led superhero movie, you can go first. Ladies first. No, you always do this. Like, whenever there's a movie that we've watched and it's got a female in it, you're like, all right, Natalie, you're up. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Yes, it has. <laughs> Star Wars. At it's some, the exact same. Well, I'm, I'm always going to have all the movies we've talked about had women in them. <laughs> Well, anyway. Yeah, you should really be hosting this one. Because I'm a lassie. <laughs> and editing it. Uh, no. <laughs> um, Can we, I'm always going to well, I'm always gonna ask you for your opinion, otherwise why are you here? So. <laughs> <laughs> Hirsch? Right, that's it, mate. Yeah. No, okay. Um, okay. Um, honestly, so no spoilers. What are my thoughts? No spoilers. Um, so... The outfits are pretty cool. And how do you say her name? Is it Gal Gadot or Gadot? I think it's Gadot. Gadot. Yeah, I think that's how she's you really it. she's really pretty, so it's nice to watch her on screen. This is so like empowering to women. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's funny it's funny how the woman the woman on the podcast is talking about the clothes um, and Gal Gadot's looks. Yeah. Look, I well, to be honest, did the movie have much else going for it? I don't know, did it? <sighs> That's my spoiler-free um, opinion. I I didn't go in with any expectation, and I wanted it to be good. So maybe I did. Well, I wanted it to surprise me. Um, but I don't really know much about Wonder Woman, but um, it was not as good as I thought it might be. Okay. Which is really odd, because everyone seems to think that it's... Awesome. Yeah, the, well, a contrary opinion, and it's interesting that it's on the, you know, 
on the the other gender side. So you know, we could be unique. <laughs> <in this way. laughs> There's no such thing as other gender here. We accept <laughs> everything um, on a, a wide spectrum. Um, did you? I didn't read your review about it, but did Thanks. you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did read. Did your you review. read it? Yeah. You read did it. Did you like it? Did you like my did review like or the film? <laughs> no, but did you like the movie? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was uh, it was really good. I think. Um, oh my DC god! I cannot a- wait to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> I think DC has had problems establishing tone in the past or establishing something that works for them and I think this film is possibly the first step towards them actually doing that actually accomplishing yeah. something you know and it's yeah. um I mean it looks great the you know it's very colorful very bright very vibrant mm. there's a few sequences in it that, that genuinely blew me away I think Gal Gadot's brilliant in, in the lead role I think Chris Pine does a really good job I just, he always looks like he's been crying. It's because he always has has always or, been crying. Or about or about or just really tired. Well, he is at war, you know. He's he's not had a lot of sleep. I meant I meant like over all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> he's always at war and hasn't had he a lot of sleep. He is usually at war. Oh, well that's predictable. <laughs> so yeah, I I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. I had a great time. Uh, Angus, what did you think? I went in with some expectations. And I don't know if it quite lived up to those expectations because I'd heard good things uh, before going to watch it, but um, left feeling kind of slightly underwhelmed and uh, questioning a lot about it. There were there were things I liked about it. I did like that the you know it was uh, as you say more colourful than the usual DC kind of sludge fest. Um, <laughs> See when you're saying more colourful, the only scene in my head, right? Is the one that's actually used in the trailer, where she you don't see all of it, but it's where she's like walking, with like this sort of brown smoky background. So all I'm thinking about are these scenes of like darkness. It's not about the island. It was like I'm not remembering it. So when she's on like her wee island, it's lovely and colourful, but she's not there for that that much of the movie. Yeah, I think it just kind of felt like there were, you know, distinctive parts of it. It felt it didn't feel, you know, like it flowed all that well for me. Um, got issues with the ending and stuff to do with the some of the World War One setting. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't want to, you know, give away too much uh, mm. in this pre-spoiler alert That's territory. okay, because we're about to jump straight into spoiler. So, oh, Do you want to host this? <laughs> <laughs> the woman's taking over. Quick. Yeah, that's <laughs> one, one superhero movie with a female lead and Natalie's taking over. Uh-huh, She's been... thanks. <laughs> oh, um, enough of the chauvinism, though, seriously. Like, um, it's... It, it's good to see... Shot. It's good to see this <laughs> representation happen, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, okay, so there are some mixed. Th- he was in it. There's some mixed opinions among the group, which is interesting. And uh, does anybody have anything spoiler-free to say before we launch into spoilers? Um, only that I've just learned who David Thewlis is. Um, was it Lupin from Harry Potter? I think he played. He is in Harry Potter. Yeah, he's Professor. playing the character. Sir Patrick Morgan, who we will discuss for sure yes. when we get to the next bit. Yes, because spoilers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is he the guy that was in Dragonheart? Or does he just look like the guy? He's not the guy from Dragonheart, is he? I'm like mashing those two up together. We're getting nods from the studio audience. <laughs> oh, and tonight is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, all, they're, they're just all bored and not doing anything. That's it. They're not making any noise. Bye. There's no applause. It's pretty unconventional to have a, a, a podcast audience of one. But, yes, uh, studio audience of one. It's great. Yeah. Uh, he's he's our biggest fan. He's uh, he's never listened to a single podcast, so this is his uh, instruction to and, to and we're saying hi to Kieran tonight. Hi, Kieran. Also, shout out to Paul. Oh. <laughs> shout out to listener Paul. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, and uh, and Kate and her boyfriend. <laughs> All pre-spoiler alert. You know who you are. All yeah. dedications come at the end. Thank you. Sorry, you can edit it. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So, does anybody have anything? Spoiler free to say before nope. we jump in. Okay. No, nope. let's just jump in. Okay. Sound the alarm. Um, obviously, this film doesn't exist in a vacuum, even though it kind of feels like it does um, in some cases. Um, we've had this is our fourth film in the DC expanded universe, I think they're calling it? it. Yeah, that's all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there have been three before this Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. Uh, colon Dawn of Justice and uh, Suicide Squad. So I've only seen one of those. Right, okay. So in your in your view, um, <laughs> what needed what kind of needs fixed about this universe, or what was good? What's you know what isn't appealing? What is appealing? Um, Natalie, you've seen one, so you better comment on that one that you've seen. That's other it's, than this one. It's the Batman and Superman one. So I, I think we actually podcasted about it. We, we or I came in at the end and, and you cameoed like, like Wonder Woman did yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so wait what am I being asked <laughs> what, what's kind of good about them what's bad about them what needs fixed what didn't you know what kind they're of... just generally sh- Wonder Woman like I don't really know if you can finger point like what isn't working for DC and I wonder if it's just the why do they, I don't know, why do they keep making all of these movies? <laughs> For the money? Yes. Sheer love of money? The artistic vision, of course. Yeah. But like, so, I know, because Marvel have such an amazing success with their universe. So obviously DC were like, huh, we're going to do this as well. But it's just, I just don't know, it's just not interesting enough to like, to see. I think it definitely suffers compared to what Marvel have managed to do with yeah. their cinematic You talk about colourful. Marvel are colourful. Yes. Visually, really exciting. And and I know, and I, I actually prefer the darker storylines and things like this, so you would think that I'd be drawn to DC, but they're just, it's not like they're dark, they're just bleak. And, and, and not that engaging. Well, yeah, I'm speaking to someone that's liked all of them. Up, uh, you like on... everything, Craig. So of course you're going to like them. I don't like everything. Uh, did you not? <laughs> did you not hear about my cease and desist from Fox about Fantastic Four? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that one. That one thing. Oh, we can't talk about pending lawsuits on the podcast. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm still. I'm still dodging lawyers' letters. So you know. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. So. 
I'm speaking to someone that enjoyed them, except Suicide Squad. I thought that was that was horrendous. You know, um, I like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I think is flawed, but I enjoy it. Um, the one consistent thing I don't like is the the muted color palette. I think it's yeah, it's pretty dull to look at. You know, it's everything's grey. Even Superman's suit, which is supposed to be vibrant and blue yeah. and red, is grey. You know, and everything's so morbid and humorless and and all that stuff. So. Um, You're right, humorless. Like that yeah. is actually really important because because Wonder Woman tried to introduce it and it is so awkward. Like it it creates really awkward scenes, but like not funny awkward, just awkward. Like why why did they try and do that? Yeah. Like who's that woman? Who's that British woman that plays the sort of secretary? Who's who's that? Lucy Davis. Yeah, like I don't, I didn't like her at all. I feel really bad. Didn't like her. <laughs> yeah, so I think what needed fixed was the tone. You know, they if they're going to settle on like a dark thing, they they at least need to make it less less teenagery dark. You know, it's like let's um, let's have people mope and sit in corners or you know and uh, hang around in shadowy areas, and we'll call it dark. I think they needed to really commit to something and I don't think they've quite committed to something yet but I feel like they're kind of on the track of committing to something now so in terms of what was good about it I quite like I like how Man of Steel did the the kind of origin of Superman making him kind of really lost and really lacking in in any kind of purpose I like that Um, unfortunately Mm -hmm. Batman v Superman didn't further that too much, which is a shame because they're really onto something there. Because I like the idea of him. I think not they just being... always try to do. They just always try to do too much. Like it just feels like, even this one, it just felt like they tried to get too much in, and then the ending just meant that it was really rushed, but nothing really happened for like the first hour and a half. I feel like they're yeah. just trying to kind of get towards Justice League and doing anything they can to just sort of steer it in that direction and doesn't really feel like it's coming together organically. I also yeah, don't think that Suicide yeah. Squad feels like it's part of the same universe. Obviously the Superman, Batman v Superman and uh, Wonder Woman um, entries all kind of link up uh, at the moment. But yeah, I just don't feel like Suicide Squad felt like it was part of the same, even part of the same uh, universe really. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, it throws like references at you left, right and centre. Yeah, but you can have just, a reference, but if it doesn't yeah. feel like it's part of the universe, that's not enough. Yeah. And you know? It doesn't feel any way like, you know, all the Marvel movies have this kind of through line that you can see that they're all part of the same story, overarching story. That's because they've always got the things at the end that say you're looking for that movie. Yeah, and I know that DC have to, you know, be careful to, you know, forge their own path with it as well, and they can't just be seen to be aping Marvel at every turn, but Again, Marvel have been there and done it, and DC are usually going to be seen as the, you know, second best when it comes to establishing this. Do we yeah. want to talk about Wonder Woman? Because I feel like who? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're getting to that. I just wanted to kind of establish a bit of context about the the universe that this thing's in, because I actually think this film more or less stands on its own, which is which is great. You know, I think it's um. Well, Wonder Woman does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, without outside of a reference to you know Bruce Wayne at the beginning and end, it, you know it's bookended by that. I think um, yeah, you know other than that, I mean you could cut those scenes and the film wouldn't yeah. actually change. So um, you know you could start it from the the point where she I guess thinks back, and then you could get on with the the story 
and uh, you know you could cut the book ending stuff and I think the book ending stuff is just to remind you that by the way she's going to be seen in a later film and it's an okay way to do it and know, also it's... that she doesn't age yes or doesn't appear to age yes or ages As a lot the trailer for Justice or... League played before the film <laughs> <laughs> did it? yeah I didn't, even, I didn't even pay attention to that yeah did I? I don't know Most I can't really say if you did or didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so this film had a bit of a, a unique setting in, in some ways, as in it was set, it's a period piece, it's set during World War One, which is, it feels unique in the sense that we don't see an awful lot of World War One in movies, actually. You know, it's normally World War Two, which, um, that gets all the all the press, but, so, I was immediately drawn to the, the setting because it felt unfamiliar to me, because I've not experienced a lot of <laughs> the Great War in, in cinema. Craig, I love how it's like opposite days for me because I feel the complete opposite than you for this. <laughs> Have you seen a lot of World War One movies? No, but I just thought World War One and World War Two, like the fact that it's set in any of like any of those periods where the Germans are are bad, so then we know what, what year it is. I just feel like that has been done so much, and and if you look at Captain America. His origin story, that's in one of the wars. Like, I don't feel like it's unique at all. I feel like they seem to all originate as a response from war. So all of the origins like are set in that time period and it's really like I've definitely seen enough of it, to be honest. Definitely. So it's opposite day, because <laughs> you obviously don't feel the same way as I do. <laughs> Angus, you had an opinion about the setting before we were allowed to talk about it. <laughs> um, I think, despite the fact that it's supposed to be World War One, a lot of the sort of German imagery is kind of Nazi-esque. Okay, there aren't the usual kind of hallmarks in there, but mm-hmm. um, it didn't feel very the sort of Lufendorf and uh, etc. Didn't really feel all that distinct from from maybe a Hydra. Uh, baddie that you'd see in a Marvel movie. Did you call him Lufendorf? Yeah. Lufendorf. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah, and and then there was something I found kind of a bit, it made me feel uneasy watching the, the trench warfare stuff because I've kind of spoken to a couple of people about this and I don't I can't really explain exactly why I felt this way, but I think with the World War II settings and with you know even Vietnam settings that you see in some superhero movies, they're almost so familiar that they can be generic enough that they you know can be the backdrop for superheroes to be running around and using their powers and things and it's become so familiar that it's acceptable almost whereas i found that the the trench warfare stuff was so kind of uh like the amputees and everything it was so of that war that it, it felt a bit kind of jarring and a bit you know it was strange to see people in a superhero setting uh taking part in that that sort of style of war and um yeah i don't know it just gave me a strange sort of feeling watching it but isn't yeah. that isn't it good if it's conjured well, it, some sort of it's feeling good, like this? it's obviously good to see something a bit different than the norm but i i don't know i just felt it was, there was something kind of insensitive about the way it was portrayed mm-hmm. see I, I didn't find that i thought there was kind of a I thought they did really well at kind of showcasing the the sort of horrors of war and and, and you know it's you a twelve A like you, it's a yeah, twelve well, A though I mean, like should they really only be so showcasing far they, well I mean there's only so far they can go with that but then 
the the important thing was that um, Diana was seeing all of this for the first time. She was seeing the effect of you know war kind of raging across the world, and and she's mm-hmm. the essentially the audience perspective because she is entering this world for the first time. And I think the fact that it's World War One helps with that because it's it was certainly unfamiliar to me. So in terms of seeing a lot of it, so the fact that it was unfamiliar to her as well, I was able to kind of put myself in her shoes in a way and be like, and almost see it through the way that she was seeing it, which was just, this is horrific. How is this allowed to happen? You know, it's, um, and I think they did a really well, good job. Well, they do give this. her a lot of opportunities to voice her opinion on how horrific it is. You know, like yeah. she, she talks a lot about, she has like that moment where she doesn't really know what to do, whether she should save humanity or not. And then it becomes very fifth element. But um, I don't know, like, I, I do agree with Gus, like, there's something about it. However, you both seem to think that it's kind of unique that uh, that it's set during this war. But I just saw it as set during a war where the Germans oh. are bad, and we've seen oh. this all before. Although, to counter that, actually, counter my own point, um, it reminded me an awful lot of the first Captain America movie. That's, why I, just, in, that's you, what I said. Well, like, I mean, you've it's got, all you've, the origins are set, like... Because all the comics were written to give people suffering through war, like a hero to look up to, or someone that would, you know, that they could think could save them should anything bad happen. And so I understand, like, when we're having these movies made, that they have to honour the origins. But it's like, do we do we need to see it again? Like, it's not original. Well, I mean... I think originality is, you know, a kind of open, open topic, and I think it's hard for one of these films to be truly original because they're all derivative of something else. But and they were written like a hundred years ago. Yeah, but the the reminder I had of Captain America was was in terms of how the film is structured. What you've got is you've got, you know, in in the first Avenger, you've got Captain America running around with with his kind of squad of soldiers, the Howling Commandos, and you've got a similar setup here. It's like Wonder Woman running around with. I forget what they actually called them, but there, oh, there was I a don't name even, for them. I hate, oh, I did not enjoy her little comrades. Like, <laughs> I was not a huge fan of them either. But I mean, other than I think that was kind of unavoidable because you know it is a it is a period superhero piece, and I actually think mm. this film is better than the first Avenger because it feels certainly the the middle point where she's in the war feels a bit more deliberate rather than in first avenger often find it's trying to rush to the end because it has to because he has to be frozen in time for the avengers and um it suffered in that respect but i feel like this film took its time a bit more like that scene where they went to the the belgian village Uh i I thought that was a a really good little oasis moment in the film that let you you know let you spend time with the characters i was like when are we getting to the action because we've been watching this for an hour and 40 minutes and nothing has happened yeah, I think that the the middle section and the final section were no. both kind of played out too long. I feel like I feel like I get what they were trying to do with that scene in the little village, but I, at that point, I was so tired and bored and trying to wake Gus up, who's fallen asleep beside me. That I was like, "Can we please get to the point of the movie?" <laughs> Well, that was after Whatever the best sequence be. in, the, in the film, actually. That was after hmm? the No Man's Land sequence, which I thought was I excellent. actually, to be honest, like, that, I think, was one of my favourite scenes. I thought it was great. It looked 
visually really beautiful and it was quite a powerful moment that she just goes fearlessly out there. The guys are like, you know, what the what is she doing? And she just goes out there and I really enjoyed that scene. But again, like it took so long to get there. Everything feels like it was so like laboured, like oh I liked how the scene looked, I liked how it was shot, I liked how it was presented. Yeah. Um I, I liked that part of it, but that was another part that kind of sat a bit uneasily with me was that there was this, you know, massive stalemate for four years of war and then all it, you know, it, there was one big kind of push and it seemed like it just made light of the kind of I don't know, it was just I don't something think about it made that. light of it. I don't think it made light of it at all. I don't know, it just to me it felt as if there was a strange kind of you know, all it takes is we just all go over the top and then that's us sort of broken through one enemy line and that's a big battle over. It didn't really convey the sort of quite how... It's not a war, it's not a movie though to be showing you how to do, how that happened or whatever. It's it's a superhero movie. Or it's not how to conduct trench warfare, man. <laughs> no. Okay, right, got that. Yeah. Um, if you want that, watch like an actual war movie that's going to try and depict all of that. This is a superhero movie they spent ages on that. All quiet on the Wonder Woman front. I wanted them. I <laughs> or like the last that. episode of Black Adder. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's anyway, what I wanted. <laughs> I really, I really liked that scene, and and uh, and I, so even though it took a long time to get there, part of the build-up definitely worked. Like there was a wee bit of tension there. You didn't really know what was going to happen. Really enjoyed it. I, yes, I, it's supposed to be uncomfortable because it's a world war. Yeah. I love the um, the conversation she has with with Steve Trevor just before she goes over the top as well, you know where um, she talks about we have to go there we have to stop this this is ridiculous and and he um, he kind of outlines the actual the the stakes you know he tells her exactly what's going on it's like these people have been here a year and they haven't moved at all and an inch or you know, anything yeah going going over the top it's not possible it's like not humanly possible and then she's obviously not human so just goes for it and. Yeah, it's almost that kind of wish fulfillment, you know, as in what would it have been like if if we did have superheroes during the war and like um Captain America existed during World War Two and so did Superman. So like I'm talking about in comics and people were kind of inspired yeah. by that. But, yeah. but also they were painfully aware of the fact that Superman couldn't just fly over to Germany and take out Hitler, you know, because he doesn't exist. Um so there's kind of that, but it's it's that wish fulfillment here's what it might have been like if she had existed I suppose it also is quite good in that part where he'd already told her that you know uh, he it was something about how his father had taught him to either be the guy who uh, sits and does nothing or actually does something about it and at that point she was making the decision to take action rather than uh, not take action yeah and um, yeah she she felt that she could do something so she did do something and uh, Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I don't, I didn't have an issue with it because I didn't feel like she was winning the war. You know, she was dealing with a very specific thing. You know, they were dealing with this little comic book plot that's going on in the middle of the real war. So there's this experimental compound that, that's uh, more lethal than anything ever discovered before. So her job for this film is to deal with that and nothing else. So it's not what, as if she's going... Who, Wonder Woman's job is that? Yeah, yeah. No, not... Wonder Woman's job the whole time is to find Ares. That yeah. her job isn't to go to the compound and shut it down. It's to find elusive Aries, and as soon as he dies, everything's fine. Yeah. It's but not to go to the compound or anything. She only goes there because that's where 
Chris Pine wants to. Yeah, but on a mechanical level, that's the, the yeah, that's the that's the plot. You know, the the plot is that's her part in the war, and it's a part of the war that didn't really exist. But it's not as if she's trying to storm, you know, the Reichstag, Reichstag, or however you pronounce it, and take out the Kaiser. She's uh, she's only there to do this kind of small thing. The rest of the war is still raging on around them, and mm-hmm. the impact they have is is important in terms of they, they deal with something that could have tip the scales in the Germans' favour, but also it's not important in terms of stopping the war in, in totality. Well, I thought the idea was to stop the war. Well, that was that was what she did, and, and we'll kind of get onto that about her kind of naivety as a, as a character. But um, I, I love that. I think that sequence is kind of the centre point of the film, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's equaled after that point in terms of action, but it's, it's still great, and I loved it. And... Um, it kind of brings us on to tone a bit. I love. I quite like the tone of this because what the it did. It was still bleak, as in they're still at war, but there's an optimism about it, and the optimism again comes from Diana's perspective. She's, you know, she she thinks she can win. She thinks that people are better than than she's physically seeing from them, and uh, she's kind of out to prove that. And I, I liked that there was a lightness to it without actually, you know, without trivializing the the conflict at the same time. A lightness to it. How do you see a lightness to it? Well, there's there's a lightness to to her. You know, she's naive. She's uh, she's learning. She's you know poking fun at the, the kind of the way the world works. But there's still this. I don't know. if She's poking fun at it. She seems really distressed by how the world um, outside of her little island seems to work. Like she she really struggles with how people can be. So well, there's things like she cool. tries on clothes and she's like, how do you fight in this? And she tries to get through a revolving door with her sword and shield, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that's that that's was what cute, I mean by the lightness to it. Yeah, well, that was it, cute, but it felt, like, it felt like a long time spent her just trying on clothes. It was an interesting kind of, you know, fish out of water type setup, but I don't think it's anything particularly new. You know, you've seen it in Thor before. You've seen yeah. the kind of fantastical yeah. setting. Which I thought was, you know, I thought that the stuff in the island to begin with was quite good, but I do yeah. think it's been done better in Asgard. Yeah. I think Thor coming to Earth was done better in that film yeah. than uh, than they Wonder Woman really discovering ice cream, ice cream or dresses. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't push it far enough. I feel like if they were going to bother with any of that at all, why why did she not find more things marvelous like cars, for instance? You know, like why did she not? Like, she finds ice cream amazing. She finds trying on dresses, like, really interesting. And she questions a corset being, like, you know, armour. But I feel like, why did they not do that more or not have it at all? Because the level that they had it just didn't really work for really, I think, letting through humour or that sort of naive wonderment. Like, it just sat at a really awkward level that I don't feel worked while watching the movie. I mean, there was some kind of marvelling at different things. It was when she got to London in the first place, and, you know, London does not look appealing at all in this film. It's like during the the, the Industrial Revolution, so it's, you know, what you've got is people inhaling, like, smoke Mm -hmm. from factories and things. So she looks at it and she says... It looks, like, horrid or something. Yeah, this is hideous, and and Steve is like, yeah, it's not for everyone. Yeah. um, and and that was good, you know, because it kind of highlighted the because it could would have been so easier easy for her to get to civilization and be like, wow, this is like nothing I've ever seen. And instead, she's like, eh, this isn't good as ho- as good as home. Well, you know, it's because it's, it's, it's not, yeah. yeah. That, fan, that fantasy island looked pretty good. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, I did like the island stuff. And they had horses. They did? How did they have horses on the island? Because the gods left them horses. Were they female horses? I would imagine so, yes. Right. Yeah. They're ageless like the, the Amazonians. They don't age. Ageless female horses. Yeah. Yeah, they're Amazonian horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I think the, the film did well with, with the various with its tone and how that related to the setting and how that related to the characters because, you know, it would have been quite easy for them to either to go too bleak and, and have her be cynical. But the fact that she's really positive about, you know, changing things and, and accomplishing her mission while being naive as well to, to a massive degree. Um, but don't you think really it's all well. just one big slide from the, from the, her home at the beginning is it, you know, a nice positive sunny place and it just kind of diminishes into, the sort of fog of war, and then the then they in battle, which is again what you just get to standard superhumans yeah. knocking lumps out of each other. Well, I have my I have my views on the, the end battle, and I'll definitely get to that. When I when I think about it like that, though, I just see it as this kind of sliding scale of. I think that's probably how I viewed it as well. You know, I enjoyed it at the beginning, and then it just kind of <laughs> dropped off and kept dropping as it got towards this um, inevitable punch up. Oh god, the fight scene at the end is so awful. (laughs) Like, I don't know why movies always seem to have one fight too many in them, and that one especially was. Do not edit that out because that is what it was. It was. Yeah, um, I didn't like the the end fight scene either um, because. I was kind of on board with the idea that she goes looking for Ares and how great would it have been on a thematic level if she didn't find him? Uh-huh. So, you know, she has this kind of... She's idealised humankind in her mind. You know, well, that rhymes. Well, um, anyway, she she has this ideal vision. You know, she she has been told that Zeus created them to be good and true and whatever else. You know, she mentions that earlier in the film and then the the whole thing could have been a learning experience for her. She could have learned... Actually, they are pretty nasty. They're pretty violent. They're horrible to each other. They're self, you know, um, they're they're self defeating. They're selfish, etc. And the the kind of result could have been her coming to that realization. And yeah, Ares has actually nothing to do with this. Would have been the best ending for it because it would have then tied into the fact that she ran away from humanity in Batman v Superman. She mentions she walks away also, from mankind. If she hadn't have found him though, like. She would have looked mental. Well, and no, and like no one would have believed her. Well, I mean, she was looking uh, mental throughout the film to everyone she was talking to. Anyway, you know, she would say to Steve Trevor, "Right, I want to find Ares," and he's like, "Well, whatever, come with me." And he just, from his point of view, he just wants the the resource of having a you know a superhero to. To throw mm-hmm. at things, I suppose. Um, he's quite so, enabling by just saying, "Oh, yeah, definitely." You can yeah, come he's, and do that. he's he's definitely here. It's fine. Yeah, we'll we'll deal with him. So he, he's kind of happy to let her go on with her delusion because she's not actually going to stop thinking it anyway. Nothing he says is going to convince her, you know. And but he does tell her quite early on that he doesn't he doesn't exist. This is just yeah. what it's like. Blah blah blah. Um, and she ignores him, you know, and persistently yeah. ignores. Well, him. Well, that's but, because she's right, though. Like she's right. Yeah, but I think it would have been better if she hadn't been right. That would have been more interesting. Everyone's right until they prove wrong. I think what would have been better is if Thulis 
was not in it at all. <laughs> I don't mean the character that he plays. I just mean that I feel like they picked the wrong person for that job. And I know that he'll be very happy that he's expanded um, his CV to include uh, such a such a a new role like that but it did not work for me at all and I actually cringed so much because a lot of the scenes that he's in when he he's revealed to be the bad guy is awful like they're so awful yeah I also found it quite funny when it showed that you know the aftermath of Zeus casting him out and he still had his like porn star moustache he was a bad man See when he makes like he makes that like bad like that he makes like a, a suit out of metal or something and then he scrapes like the metal down his face so he can see out of it. I'm like, yeah. why did that why is that even necessary? You're a god. <laughs> like why do you have to fashion yourself some sort of like Yeah and it, it iron was, suit. It was yet another example of invincible people hitting each but other. But it took which, it too far. It yeah. took it too far and made it ridiculous. Like it was it was kind of working up until that point, and then from there, I was like, I, I think I laughed. I was just like, this is a joke. Yeah, by now, why does it always end up this way? Yeah, and it's yeah, it didn't need to end up that way. And no. um, and I did like some of the the, the kind of realizations that were coming about out of it. Like um, Diana came to a few different conclusions based on this fight. When uh, you know, when Ares was telling her, um, this is. Yeah, this is what these people are. They, you know, they don't deserve yeah. any, They don't deserve your help. Blah blah blah. And she's like, it's not about deserve. It. It's about um, you know, it's about setting an example and things like that. And <clears throat> um, yeah. and the fact that she kind of was almost driven to kill as well once she found out her origin, which was a bit confusing, I suppose. But I'm the, still confused by that, to be honest. Yeah, like, she's like holding the tank, and then she's not holding the tank. And but that's yeah, the idea that she kind of chooses the better way. That was. That's what you can supposed to take away from that, and I think that does work. Although I think that it could have been better done without Ares being there. I think you know and it she, could have had a much more low key ending. Presumably, she's already you know killed quite a few German soldiers along the way. Did you not yeah. think it was quite like reminiscent of Wizard of Oz when they're like the you compare like, everything to guys. Wizard of Oz? What <laughs> you compare yeah. everything to Wizard of Oz? Wait, did I do that last time? <laughs> Maybe yeah. maybe films need to stop reading <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Um, but aye, the bit where they like steal the bad guys like costumes and then like go in as them. I was just thinking, ooh, wee, oh, <laughs> all I could think of when I was watching that. I was like, this is so the Wizard of Oz. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know the bit yeah, I'm talking well, about. Uh, just any scene where they just yeah, any film where they disguise themselves as the enemy. Well, it's when they take it those bad guys and then they put all the like gas masks and stuff on. Yeah. And they've all got the long coats like the guys from Wizard of Oz. I thought you meant the bit with the munchkins. <laughs> in the in the little village. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> in the village because they've killed the Wicked Queen. Yeah. Um, the Wicked Queen in like a tower. Uh, I also thought the film was a lot like The Fifth Element. I love The Fifth Element. It's like one of my all-time favourite movies. Did you not think that the female lead having to discover that love is more powerful than everything in the whole entire world was utter bull. I haven't seen The Fifth Element in quite a number of years. and I don't. But you have to know so. what I'm talking about. Like, so Lilu is on, like, a pod on, like, the big massive ship and she's learning about... She's learning English 
and she learns like what love is and she learns what war is and then she gets absolutely traumatized by learning how evil humans can be and how they treat each other and she then has a point where she can save humanity and she says to Bruce Willis like what's the point because because all you do is destroy each other and Bruce Willis is like love like because we can love and then she's like oh love I'm not allowed to love and then he's like oh but you can love and then she's like okay um, and then she saves the world this was totally like that this is totally like that because at the end when Steve Chris Pine decides to go and like use himself as like a martyr for saving everyone is that the right word? Yeah. He gets fridged. So he goes off. He gets absolutely like, destroyed. Fridged. She's like lying there under a, like some sheets of metal, screaming. Um, and then she gets up and um, bad guy's like, yeah, there's no point in saving humans, blah, blah. And then she's like, love. And then boom, Earth is saved. All the humans are saved. Bad guy's dead. And I was like, this is Fifth Element. <laughs> so you're now tuning into the Fifth Element podcast. Just saying, people need to get some original ideas. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I didn't make that comparison, but I haven't seen The Fifth Element in years, so... God, Craig, get it watched. It's on Channel 5 all the time. Yeah. Fifth, get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so, back to the film we're, we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was! I was comparing the was it? No, no, it's, I'm sure it, it does sound like a valid comparison from that was. Uh, from that's what ran through yeah. my head when I was watching it, and I was like, "How, how am I watching the Fifth Element? But it's Wonder Woman. Why do, <laughs> why do they keep making female leads decide that they can only save humanity because of love? Why do they keep doing that? Yeah, Captain Planet. <laughs> Leave Captain Planet out of there. I will not. Leave Captain Planet. <laughs> so anyway, the heroine yes. and her gang of plucky followers arrive at the Emerald City and oh no that's a different film <laughs> yeah um, Tin Man Wants a Heart or whatever <laughs> yeah um, yeah so we've talked a bit about the story and I think the story hangs together pretty well I do think the the ending need work and I would have liked a much more low-key ending but I feel like uh, there might have been God <laughs> yeah. of mischief <laughs> and I feel like there would have been a lot of pressure from the studio on about we need this explosive finale, even though this is all people complain about in these films. <laughs> so you know, like, but but you know, what do people know? What do the people watching this even know? So let's do it again. Let's have CGI flames everywhere and have you know, and have some big invincible people hit each other finale. Yeah. Well, you've already committed your money by the time you see that. So <laughs> yeah. And. You know, there was potential for her just to be like, oh, wait a minute, maybe humanity are awful to each other. Um, and because in Batman v Superman, as I've said, she's decided to she decided to move away from humanity and stop helping them. Like she said about 100 years ago. So that would track, you know, that, that could have been that point where she decided and that could be the reason she decided to do that. Isn't it quite um, a Superman move as well to uh, think, right, you can't be saved I'm going to leave you to your own devices. Doesn't he tend to do that? I think all superhumans from time to, to time. Yeah, I think yeah, I think everyone has that crisis of faith now and again, and they just think, yeah, screw this, I can't help anybody. See you later, and then they they leave and, and never come back, yeah. or they do come back, but yeah, they come to their senses eventually. But um, mm-hmm. so there has to be some kind of trigger point for her to make that decision. Although that assumes that you 
you know, you follow her really crappy character arc in, in Batman v Superman, which you don't have to. You know, this is a this is a very different person to what you see in this film, as in she's quite positive, whereas in Batman That's v Superman That's because we've gone not. back about 80 years, right? Or yeah, about 100 years. 100, yeah. 100 years. Yeah, and, and I like that positivity. It reminded me a lot of the Christopher Reeve Superman you know, in, in mm-hmm. some ways. And there's a couple of scenes that are lifted right from there uh, as a homage. You know, the um, the deflecting of the bullet in the alleyway is almost the same as when he catches the bullet in the alleyway in the first Superman movie. And, mm. and just the, the kind of way he's a bit, where she's a bit goofy, you know, um, just kind of running around and like, oh, baby, wow. And, you know, that's that's the facade that Clark Kent puts on, but glasses as a disguise. But it's not yeah, a facade. For, it's for literally because minutes. she's come from yeah. an island where she was made of clay, and there are no babies. Because yeah. no, I mean that's what that's like, what I mean. Now, for Superman, don't need guys. For Superman, it's a facade. For her, it's entirely genuine. Yeah, yeah. She's not good at blending in. That's the problem, yeah, at least initially. But I thought the story hung together pretty well. I liked the stuff in Themyscira, the island. Um, I liked the kind of. The way they built up the culture there, it was a, it was an interesting collection of people, the the kind of warrior side of things, and and I, I kind of appreciated that they kind of left gender out of that. They were all just warriors. That was that was it. That was what they were defined by. It might have been equally shallow, but at least it wasn't on the island. Yeah, and they were it all might... united in their funny accents. Yeah, yeah, their well, accents were wacky. <laughs> well, I actually quite like that as well. I mean, we've got so many kind of American accent heroes that it's good to see. You know. Yeah, She's but exotic and, some of them yeah. lost it a few times, and that just made it a bit strange. But yeah, but she didn't because she spoke in her native accent. So. Yeah, yeah, and it worked. You know, it made her seem like yeah, she's from pretty far away, and she's not of this world, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so that that in itself is is pretty unique. You know, that an Israeli lead can be can be so you know important and, and front and center in a big film like this. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Um. So on to the like the characters themselves. Like, what did you think of Diana as a character? Like, um, I really liked her naivety, and I liked the, the sort of journey that she undertook from sort of realizing that maybe Ares isn't behind everything because that is established, but not as well established as it could have been. I think that that the way she learns how humanity works and and the growth of her relationship with Steve works really well. I think. Her character art was really good, and I like, and I found her really endearing as well as a as a, a lead. I think that the only two interesting characters are the characters that were really given any time to kind of be fleshed out were Diana and Steve Trev. I think yeah. the rest yeah. of them were given fairly short shrift, and I you know I think that you get the impression you know you see the pic the photograph that you know, of her and the gang from uh, the previous film and you get this impression of a kind of close knit group that had you know gone in infiltrated really done banded their, together yeah carried out their mission and they get such little development in screen time really and yeah, they, yeah i know that they there do are they try they do try to give them like their own wee moments like yeah. Diana goes away on a horse to go somewhere else and the and spud and the and Native American guy are like hanging out together. Spud and Tonto. I'm just like, but it doesn't. It's not enough, and they don't really do that much with them. Yeah, they do get a little bit, but it feels you know pretty short shrift, and that they just yeah. get one beat each, and then that's them. Uh, it's don't don't feel like they were developed enough, and that it, the film could have been 
the same without that gang even being there. I I didn't really like the gang at all. <laughs> I didn't really like how he goes and tries to pick them up. I thought it was supposed to be. I think they maybe tried to make it quite funny when when they went to go and get all the people, and I was a bit like, I just don't see how this is going to be necessary. And I didn't really like the token Scottish guy. And I feel like they never even gave him a script. I feel like they just said to him, say things that you think Scottish people say walking down the street. <laughs> and he just... Because he just comes out with loads of Scottish patter that's like, if you're ever teaching anyone a Scottish word, you'll say one of those sentences. Do you mean? Just... Just because. Like, I just didn't... I couldn't... <laughs> couldn't take him seriously. And, and he's supposed to be a serious character because... He has, like, a moment where he's, we're told he's, like, this amazing marksman, and then one of the guys is like, oh, we can't always be, like, that person all the time. And then you find out he's, act- like, because he has that nightmare and stuff. Yeah, PTSD. And he goes, totally mental. He's got major PTSD, and he's, like, really suffering. And for a 12A, for hinting at all of this, I thought it was pretty heavy. Like, pretty heavy going, because people are going to be like, what is that? Like... His his character looks odd, and people, children will probably laugh at the scene where he's like screaming and going mental because they're not going to understand it. But it's actually quite dark. Like it's really hinting at really awful sides of war that they never really take any further. Maybe because it's twelve eight, and also the film's not about him. But it's like, why have that at all? Like, why did we need to have have that in the movie? I, I, guess I just don't a- feel like there was enough there to justify having the gang. It felt like we were going to get a kind of, uh, you know, uh, caper out of them, but mm-hmm. then uh, they just didn't do enough or they weren't involved enough to really justify being there. Well, they would never invest all this time in them because they all die. What? That's not true. <laughs> well, they're all dead. Like, she's 100 years later. It's exactly same. <laughs> Steve's already same just gone and killed himself. Everyone eventually dies. Yeah. <laughs> so, old age claims them. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not superheroes, so how can they yeah. possibly be existing? Why would they invest all that time when they can't ever be in the follow-up movies? Join. I liked. Um, I actually liked her how she had her own band of howling commandos, but, you know, I do think they are very they're they're very quickly established and they're just kind of there but um i also felt that it gave it a little bit of scope so what you've got is you've got the the ptsd and they established that and that was that was well done and i do think it was quite dark as well but they then you had the point where he you know he sang and sang terribly but he sang and um and it was mentioned that he hadn't sang in years. So it's supposed yeah, but why do you need to even have that? I was waiting on Wonder Woman kicking ass. Well, and I'm supposed to, watching this. I think it's supposed to show that she's quite an inspiring presence to, to those around her. Uh, because she, you know, she's very heroic and very old-fashioned heroic as well. And, and the fact is she's able to... 100 years old. Yeah, she's able to inspire people to... You know, to to be better or to overcome is it, things. Is it because is he singing though? Because she just saved all their asses. Back, well, back well, in the changes. If you think about it, I mean, if you think back to that conversation she has with with Steve about the, you know, we're not getting anywhere here. That getting over that trench is not possible. You know, we can't we can't get any further than we've already got, and then they do. And uh, these because are because she's that, like invincible. Yeah, but these we've are already seen been... at the start that she can like heal herself. We don't really know why, but you know at the start she gets like 
hurt by like a sword or a stray bullet or something like that and then they take off the bandage and she doesn't have a cut anymore and everyone's like oh that's amazing it's like yeah. because she's wolverine but these um these people have been desperately needing a victory because they haven't seen one in so long and then they get one and there's a kind of there's that catharsis to it you know it's wow we did it we're, we're actually making progress here and and it's all because of it's of not Wonder we Woman. they didn't do it she did it well they backed her up you know they bravely launched themselves into the fray they they participated she allowed the them to feel good about themselves by giving them an opportunity to prove their worth because it is what's it dolce et decorum est perpetuo mori come on and isn't that what heroes do but then it's all for naught because the whole village just gets bombed out anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, and I, I think that actually hit. Um, that, that that actually lands. It, it does it well because, you know, we, we see her reaction to this little quaint village, and you can tell that she really, really loves it. You know, it's this um, this side of humanity she's never seen, and then it it gets wiped out, and then it fills her with kind of righteous anger. And I thought that worked well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Overall, I do think she was a good character, and I, yeah. I, I did enjoy everything that she, that she did. But I do, as I said, I think there Let were. Down by her, I think by that, her I think that the rest of the film and the film. rest of the the way the characters were treated just didn't really didn't really develop enough. So she did well, and I think um, Chris Pine his character was good as well. But I just feel like the rest of it was a bit lacking. Yeah, and. The, the rest of the characters, they're definitely supporting players, and I was okay with, with them only getting a little part each. I mean, the the central relationship is her relationship with Steve, and, and that is very well done. It's very well developed, and it's... Um, and and the, the two actors have got really good chemistry as well. You know, they, they bounce off each other really well. And I think um, having Chris Pine as the token love interest is, is quite an interesting one because if you I could... I didn't. You could have easily flipped the script on this film and have him be a heroic World War One guy with a token female sidekick kind of thing. And he was the token male sidekick in a lot of ways. So I liked that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was the idea of, hey, you, you men have been experiencing this... Um, this empowerment fantasy for forever, and now it's our turn, and and we're putting a, a famous leading man in the the supporting role. It was good. Mm. I have I have seen a few complaints though that the story is kind of his story. He drags yep. her along, yep. and she kind of goes along with his mission. And because he doesn't listen to her, he's got well, all the he's got all the drive, and yeah. she's well, kind of tagging the, along. He's the catalyst for it, but it is. I feel. I still feel like it is completely her story. You know, it's her choices are her. Not completely her story. You can't say it's completely her story when you know that a lot of the story is driven by him. Yeah, in terms of getting her from A to B, but you know, her her purpose is clear. Her perspective is clear. He's just her purpose. Her purpose is defined at start when she says, "Take me to Aries," and then he misleads her and takes her to a whole bunch of other places. Well, he doesn't mislead her. He just, you know, he doesn't know that Ares isn't going to be there. So we're right in saying that he is one of it's his, his story for a large part. I think in terms of the the mechanics of even him dying forward, yeah. at the even him dying at the end, and him being the sole purpose that Wonder Woman even finds like validation in saving humanity. Because she's like declaring, uh, okay, I'll save Earth because of love. It's all because of him. They've made it all, they've brought it all back to a guy. 
But even that sacrifice was was really earnest as well because he tells her that he wants to um he wants to do this. He wants to, you know, stop this problem so that she can save the world. He's kind of he, he's doing it so that she won't because he knows that she probably would. She'd and, survive it though. Well, he not necessarily, we just we don't know. She would. Know. She walks into the village that's been gassed and she's fine. She can go underwater for a long amount of time and not die. She can heal herself. Like, how do you know that she wouldn't have survived if she'd taken that out, if she'd gone and done it herself? How do you know that she definitely would, though? A guy took an opportunity from the woman to be a hero. See, I don't really see it like that. I mean, Angus, what do you think? Um, I, well, I appreciate that normally the the norm is that the male hero has to witness the loss of his female love interest to spur him on to do greater things and kind of overcome the big bad at the end. So it's interesting that they flipped it like that, but I do think it's a bit too black and white. It's a bit too binary that they've, you know, just, just turning things on their head like that isn't, doesn't necessarily make a big difference, you know? And he, I think he did have a lot of agency and he did kind of drive a lot of what happened in the film. I would have liked to have seen, you know, there are there are moments where Diana gets to take the lead, and she definitely does, and definitely leads the way, mm-hmm. definitely takes charge, uh, leads the attacks, that sort of thing, and obviously displays her immense power at the end. But I still feel that it would have been good for her to do a lot more of the um, have a lot more of the impetus uh, that that uh, Steve Trevor gets. And I don't know, I don't know if it's just because you know this film demands a kind of feminist uh, eye and criticism of it or not you know would we be talking about it in a, in the same way just if it was just because she's female it's like it has to become feminist yeah well I know so it's like difficult what? it's, it's like difficult why? to think about it uh, because so much of it is I feel is kind of by the numbers superhero movie but with you know the genders flipped here and there and um, I think the, the gender flip is about as far as it goes I mean the what I actually expected going in was there was going to be two hours of women are amazing and men are horrible, and then that's not the way to promote positive representation. I think the idea that, you know... Why did you go in thinking that? Because I didn't expect the writing to be... No, but uh, what made you think that that's what the movie's, like, agenda would be? Because I expected... I didn't expect the writing to be smart enough to not do that. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, I expected okay. it to be very cynical. I expected it to be kind of this trying to empower by depowering, and uh, that's not the way to do it. You know, that's going to be. I mean, that's been happening in in male fronted films for for decades. You know, just look at Transformers, for instance. It's you know those are not empowering films for women at all. I would imagine, but uh, this film, it's everyone is kind They're, of treated well, as in, Transformers is about robots. <laughs> well, some of the time, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I would I would agree that um, a positive of the film is that there isn't too much of that, and there you know uh, that yes, she's allowed to just get on with things, and she's a superhero. It doesn't matter if she's a male superhero or yeah. a female superhero; she's just a superhero, and, it, and the, that's the way I would want to see it. As, everybody's treated as an equal. You know, it could have been. I suppose they they cheated slightly by having Steve be ahead of his time. You know, he was. Um, he he was obviously quite inclusive, you know. He didn't uh, he didn't think about class. He didn't think about gender. He didn't think. It's about because he's else. so in awe of her beauty that he's like, I'll do anything to be hanging out with her. <laughs> That's how she gets any of the crew together because yeah. 
the guy that she's speaking in French with, is it French or Spanish? Like, she's speaking with him, and he's like, well, I'll go if you're going. Because he <laughs> finds her so attractive. Like, that's how she rallies up her troops. It's how she rallies not because, up particular not because yeah. of Not because of what her mission is. It's because of what she looks like. But Steve is driven by and very she's not listened things, you know? to. She's not listened to when she marches into that... Um, which is in the building with Steve and she's got her new outfits on and he goes in to speak to the head honchos and then she's like at the door and then everyone's like, oh, you're not, you're a woman, you're not allowed to be in here. And then she tries to speak to them and they don't listen because yeah, she's a woman. Yeah, but so, I think that's a fair kind of representation of the time. Yeah. yeah if, I think if she wandered in and everyone had been all years, it would have been like, well, yeah, well, no, that and that's fine. Happened. And I quite liked that scene where she afterwards is like, why won't you stand up for yourself? Why won't you do this? Yeah. Why do you think your job only extends to this? But you can't see. Like your point was that um, I don't know. I think that else. I think that the positive side of that is that she doesn't she isn't put off by people's reactions to her like that. She doesn't just because they won't listen to her doesn't mean she's not going to go and uh-huh. yeah. lead the way and be a hero. So you know, that is one positive. To yeah. you do have to you do have to portray it as yeah the men of that time did not listen to women. Yeah. Didn't, you know they mentioned about not having the vote, the vote and stuff. And stuff yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's like, well, so do you. I'm going to go and do it anyway. Do yeah. you even know what a vote is? And um, and and Chris Pine was completely focused on on the war. You know, it was. I mean, he wasn't really bothered about. Uh, her gender at all? All he could, all he saw was someone that could, you know, help him. And when you see, I don't the, know if that's true. Think of well, what they're he, like well, in the boat. Well, when he foresees himself, when he tr- proves what that he's being honest by, um, by putting his hand in the lasso to, you know, so that yeah. he has to tell the truth. And he was like, "Look, we're going to do this. I'm going anyway. It's the right thing we're to gonna do." Die. Blah, blah, blah. We're probably going to die. This is a really terrible idea. And I like how he <laughs> kind of how the honesty comes out, and he's he's forced to kind of confront that, but he still does it. But like, yeah. at no point does he think, you know, uh, how can what's going on with this, you know, this this woman who's helping me? Because he's so you know. enchanted by her. Oh, he de- he definitely is. Yeah, and he's uh, but he's also just well, a decent guy just... as well. Oh, I think he becomes a decent guy. Who's old Captain Kirk? <laughs> he definitely, he definitely initially goes along with her because of her looks, not because of what she believes in. But there's also the fact believe, that he needs off the island, and she offered them the, the chance to get off she, the island. Because he doesn't believe what she is saying, like at all. At least he becomes to respect her mental. for who she is and what she can yeah. do. That's because than... she has to prove herself. But he's she has also to prove herself to not be making. Up. It's like you can't just believe her. He's also a man of the time who thinks of soldiers as men, yeah, and not people. Ian Thor, Stanley Portman just believes that he's Thor straight away. He doesn't lose her. Does she? She thinks she's mental. Well, I think the, I think the difference is uh, when when Natalie Portman meets Thor, he's essentially just a guy. You know, he's a he's an incredibly well built guy, but he's a guy. <laughs> and uh, whereas he's on a magical island where. You know, and he Lasso's still doesn't believe her. Be the truth. Yeah. yeah, and he still doesn't believe her. Well, it's one of those. You know, if you're if you're encountered with things you're you that you don't understand, you'll try and rationalise them in some other way. Um, but eventually, he just has to accept that. Okay, there's all this magical stuff. And, That's you because know, she had to prove it to him. Yeah, just like anybody would have had to prove it to anyone else. Should have believed. <laughs> Should have believed. Blind faith. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I liked I liked the Steve Trevor character. I think um, 
I liked it. He was a he was a decent guy. He was morally upright. He you know he believed in what he was doing. He really was sick of the war. You know he was tired. Like as you said, he always looks tired, and and that definitely comes across the fact that he's been at this for a long time and he's just he's fed up. But I don't he mean wants it to end. I don't mean Steve Trevor looks tired. I mean Chris Pine looks tired, <laughs> which There's translates well to the character. <laughs> There's a difference. There's definitely a difference. Where does Chris Pine end and Steve Trevor begin? <laughs> but you know, charming the, number one. The tiredness does work. You know, it's, he is tired. He's fed up of this conflict and he wants it over with. And he thinks he can do something to get it over with. And you know, there's a nobility to that. And uh, I think he's an interesting character. Yeah, I think we should talk more about Wonder Woman. Of course, yeah, it's her film. But um, and I think he's a. Well, he's her window into humanity, and I suppose the fact that she gets like this decent, upright guy as this kind of as her first experience of it is is uh, it's probably a good start, you know. But her first experiences of um, of her island being attacked by men with guns. Yeah, well, that's no. She meets Steve just before that. Well, she and he tells her they're the bad guys. <laughs> she saves yeah. him. Yeah. And then, and then he says, "They're the bad guys. I'm the good guy." And they just, he, she just believes him. She believes him. <laughs> yeah. And despite how he's dressed, he isn't like shot by an arrow or anything. Yeah. The rest of the Amazons don't come after he's him. He's hiding behind a rock. He is. And then he helps out on the on the beach, and th- that earns him some measure of trust, well. enough to be not killed at least. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I'd, I'd no issue with him as a character. I think uh, Chris Pine does a good job. He's he's always Chris Pine, but you know, he's a slight variation of Chris Pine. I think. How much bullcrap is it that Chris when <laughs> when uh, she goes to leave the island, that her mum comes in and is like, "You do know that you can't come back," and I was like, "What?" So if she leaves, she can't ever come back. That was like the swiftest goodbye ever. She's from, changing like, the locks. To her parents, like. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure whether the you can't come back was was a more symbolic thing than no, it was a you can never return. You yeah, but she wasn't stern about it. You know, she wasn't like if you leave, you're not coming back. It was more. Maybe she a, meant of, from a kind of state of mind point. Of yeah, view. and the thing is, and and she said that yeah, she couldn't just sit idly by and watch thing. You know, and knowing that the world is completely falling to bits outside, so there's that kind of. Yeah, she has to do this, and uh, and she'd regret it. Oh, yeah, because she, she believes it's her duty. So her duty yeah. is that they are. I thought the whole secrecy thing with her was done like not that well. Like the whole trying to hide different aspects of her character, and and it's like, oh, she can't know who she is because the more she knows, like the more danger she's in. I was like, just tell us, just tell us what is going on. Yeah. I didn't mind that actually because a lot of the, cause the way it was handled was reasonably organic. What you had was you had characters that both knew what they were talking about, talking about something. Uh, so they didn't have to say she can't know that she is like a god because you know because they both know that, mm-hmm. so they don't need to say it. Because um, normally in these kinds of things, they play the pronoun game. You know, the, the she can't know about him. It's like who's he? You know, and things like that. But. Um, the way they handled it, it was like two people that knew exactly what was going on were having a chat, and that was fine. Um, I think the payoff for that didn't quite work, and that's another issue. But the, at least the the setup of it was was okay. I thought. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. But she was, yeah, she was, good. she was good, and uh, and it's one of those things that makes Justice League more appealing because she's in it, and you know, and it'll be interesting to see what what happens with her and how she kind of deals with the team and how she leads, how she deals with the modern day. You know, let's ignore her presence in Batman v Superman. Yeah, because... but I think as soon as they get to Justice League, though, and then I the boys just, are back in town, she's going to be I can just see her again. being the kind of Captain America role of, I'm from a different time, I now have to kind of, well, she's not going to have the kind of fish out of water that like he does. But, but, yeah, I can just see her being, having the same sort of position in the team. But she's like, but it won't be like Captain America though, because she's been present, um, in all of that time in the in what, the world. That's what I just said. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I just feel that she's going to have the same kind of righteous uh, position, you know, like she's. They're both the kind of very good uh, symbols on the team. Yeah, and I mean, in the absence of Superman. I suppose maybe that's the right thing because Batman's mm-hmm. going to be this grim, you know, presence, and and she could be the you know, lighten up. It's whatever, <laughs> but we, yeah, we don't know what she's going to do with they're going to do with her as a character uh, for Justice League. And I mean, that film was having a lot of problems at the moment with Zack Snyder stepping down as director for personal reasons, and Joss Whedon doing some reshoots. So that could be interesting. See how that all stitches together. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, to be honest, I haven't really paid attention to any of it. So <laughs> I'll just see what I'll just see what honestly I'll just see what they release, and I might go see it if we're doing a podcast. Like <laughs> well, you can pretty much guarantee we'll want to talk about this. <laughs> you know, these kinds of films on the podcast. So, um, I think we've talked about the the action sequences quite heavily. Is there anything else you want to say on character? You know, on any of the characters. Um, Maybe uh, not on characters. I was going to say I would action say, sequences. I would say just before we move on to characters, uh, sorry, action mm-hmm. sequences. Um, Wait, are we not the, going the characters? What? We're not going on to action sequences. We've just we've done that. Edit just before we move on. <laughs> uh, the the baddies deserve the sort of thirty-four or five seconds. I'm going to give them here. They're they're just fairly nondescript. We could do you know they they could be in any. They could be some, you know, the bad kind of henchmen. They're obviously supposed to be these big bads that uh, Diana thinks is one of the Miseries, and then it's, you know, you get the reveal. Mm. We've already spoken about the kind of underwhelming armor-clad Thulis. Um, But, yeah, I I feel like the, you know, they were fine as kind of your standard German baddies in a war, but I don't know. I I feel like they were a weak part of the film as well. Could have been from anything. Yeah, and I don't don't know if we should say... Yeah. yeah, I just don't feel like there's much more to be said about them. They were, they were, they did what they were supposed to do, and that was about it. I feel like Agreed. they did less than they were supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I wanted well, to mention. Did you say we've done the action sequences from we've talking done about most the of them. and stuff? Yeah, well, we've done most we, of them. We, we, we haven't about... spoken about like the slow motion use of like visuals and stuff. And well, I thought the, um, yeah, I thought the slow mo was was quite overcooked. You know, yep. it, it was effective in some places. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, during the island brawl, it was it was quite well done. Oh, I'd but... forgotten that there was slow mo on the island. So when there was you slow got... everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> I only really remember it from like from the trench and from when she's like 
just kicking ass like at the very end, not well, with the, it worked the in, bad guy. I think it really worked in the trench that, part because it was you know I really it was an epic it. moment. Like, but there were some parts it where it's like, all right, great. you're just you're just slowing down for the hell of it now. You know, there was some. I I really so I think that I'm definitely in a minority here, but I really enjoyed the slow motion parts because I feel like a lot of movies like this always speed it up or it's really fast and you can't really appreciate everything. And I thought form and like I just really enjoyed watching everything because it didn't look like CGI or anything. It looked like it was really her and kicking shit and I really I really like the slow-mo parts and I know that people are saying it's been overdone but um, I kind I of enjoyed it, it. I, liked, I liked them in, in parts I think it was overused though but I really did appreciate that the camera was allowed to run for a couple of seconds you know to let you see what was going on mm-hmm. uh, I hate rapid cutting yeah. because it just hides it just hides bad fight choreography yeah. that's all it does but yeah. the fight choreography yeah. is very good you know where she the bit where she yeah, jumps through Yeah, I really the, enjoyed it. The bit where she jumps through the window and just demolishes all the troops, you know, effortlessly. That was brilliantly mm-hmm. done. It was almost... It wasn't quite a yeah. single take, but it was almost a single take. You know, it was... There was I very really, few cuts Yeah, there. so like... Yeah, so for this one, I felt like it was quite different to other superhero movies in that it really allowed you to appreciate and enjoy. Maybe they did it a bit too much because that's obviously like what most people are, are seeing, but I definitely appreciated that they were giving you that time to really appreciate it and I also felt like though that they took far too long in really introducing her theme song like it felt like we were 30 minutes from the end when we were getting all of that but I thought the rest of the score was was excellent I thought it was a very well scored movie you know I love movies yeah but I wanted to hear I wanted to hear more of her theme that they've worked on yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it was kind of building to that. I think. I think it had to earn it, and I suppose it did when it was finally deployed. But um, yeah, yeah uh, one thing that made me wonder during the the island action sequence where she, you know, where the Germans attack, what happened to that ship <laughs> that came through the fog barrier? Thing? Yeah, it just never was, to be seen again. Yeah, they just killed a bunch of people on the beach, and then it was over. Like I, I understand that they dealt with all the people in the rowing boats, but there was a ship full of people. Like what happened to that? Maybe they sunk them. <laughs> Maybe, but you don't see it. Well, you don't need to. It's not a few important arrows to the story. At strategic points on it, and <laughs> boom, down it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. We don't. We don't need to know what happened to those guys because they're not—they're not the story. But there's another, Sorry, I mean, another thing snacks. that struck me about the the action sequences, and, and a few people have pointed this out to me as well, is you know, like what you get is—I mean, it's it's the male gaze, right? You know, and I say this as a mm-hmm. uh, you know as an, a white male aged eighteen to thirty, where you know these kind of <laughs> films are mm-hmm. almost for me, you know, or at least historically mm-hmm. have been. Um, the, the male gaze doesn't really exist in this film in terms of, at least in terms of the action sequences. I don't I think, think it, so either. I yeah, spoke to another girl though and she said that she definitely felt like it was very much like for guys with like ass and everything like this, but cheesecake. to be honest, you well, should go to Cheesecake. And it's, still pretty I, people, <laughs> it's still just I pretty people fighting, so they're always yeah, going to look good, aren't I they? Didn't, I didn't get that at all, so I went in thinking... Has you and been called pretty? But they, um, I am... Um, you know, I like went the... in thinking it was going to be a lot of tits and ass, right? <laughs> and I was like, right, okay, whatever, it's an island for the females. But I thought that they actually didn't focus on that at all, and it's mostly that they're just incredibly good fighters and warriors, yeah. and 
And I was thinking, like, if they were men, they'd all have their tops off and they would all be showing off, like, all of their rippling pectorals. Like, <laughs> it would just be... Oh, it would just be what we'd be Rippling. looking at. That's a quote from Hercules. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it's... Um, yeah, that, but, that you know, I thought... And I thought that they didn't really do that at all. Yeah, so the island sequence, it was a... There was nothing sexualized about no, it. No, not at it all. Just, yeah, it was just... These people are incredibly skilled. These are the women. You know, they're skilled. They're, they're toned. Yeah. 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 Just a load of badass chicks from the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you I know, thought it was I great. That. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. It's probably quite demeaning imagining prostitutes in your environment discussion. I, do you think then, do you think that you could tell that it was a female director? Uh, I don't think there was anything about it that suggested it was a female director, but I don't know what, you know, the signs of a female director are. I would just say it's competently directed. And the fact that it's a female is neither here nor Irrelevant, there. Irrelevant, right? Yeah. It's, it is important because what you've got is you've got a female director being given the keys to one of the biggest films of the year, a massive budget, and she delivered something that was that looks great, um, is well, you know, has great fight choreo- choreography, mm. the, the cinematography is amazing, mm. you know, it kind of, it hits all the beats of what a competent film, a competent superhero film should be. And the fact is, it's like, it shows... Yeah, women can do the job too. By the way, you know, and I hope that Patty Jenkins gets given all the opportunities after this, and I hope that other female directors are also given the opportunity to step up to the plate and do and take on a big film. Because what do you mean a big film, or do you mean superhero movies? It doesn't necessarily have to be a superhero film, a big, a big franchise film, or or even just even just a film, a relatively small film that can be you know acclaimed. Right, um, but there are female directors though who are getting all of those opportunities anyway. I was only saying because it's a female lead for a superhero movie and a female director, some people seem to be thinking that that's an important thing. I don't personally think that that's that. It's important, important because I don't really care who yeah. the director is. To be honest, I just want to watch the movie and and enjoy it. It's important from a from an employment and representation point of view when it comes to these things because these big. If you look at the big blockbusters that are out every year, you know, pretty much all of them are directed by men. The good ones and the bad ones. And I think that... Um, the, I don't have any that, stats on that, though, so I can't even yeah. weigh in on that. But all I know is that there are definitely female directors who have blockbusters every year. Yeah, but it's still a really low number. And this, you know, to use the World War One analogy, this this film will push it over the top. Or it should mm. push it over the top because I think yeah it's probably a step in the right direction. But until there's more women making decisions at studios and uh, you know filling up those kind of executive roles and having more power in that sort of arena, I think it's you know hopefully we're moving towards that and a bit more kind of equality there as well. Yeah, rather and, than uh, being. But you can't just meet. A quota for quota sake and be like, oh, we're going to have more females. It's like, mentioned quotas. so good at, and if, if you look so at, the, at well, doing the job. If you look at Patty Jenkins, right, she has, you know, she proved that she's was the right person for the job because she made something that made the studio, or is making the studio a lot of money, right? Well, that's ultimately, mm-hmm. the quality of the film is irrelevant in that sense, as in all the studios care about is, does it make money? And it did. And it still is, and people are talking about it, and people are enjoying it, and you know, so it's hitting both those benchmarks. So it's proving that mm-hmm. hey, it's not a financial risk to give a film to a woman necessarily, which is definitely the it's a it's a male centric 
industry. It still is, and it will be for a long time. But things like this, showing competence, showing ability to deliver something um, that's that's liked by a lot of people, and you know, and makes them money, makes a profit. That's going to be important. It's going to be, you know, it will make it's people. Know. All sensible people know. That of course, women yeah. are perfectly capable of delivering these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I find your choice of words like really strange actually, because I'm like, would you use that word when describing a, a male director, or would you describe them as having to prove themselves as being competent? I don't. Well, they, I mean, would. historically they don't. You know, you see the, you see male directors who, who get given another go at something, even though it flops. Um, there's, you know, there's directors that've got sequels to their own films, promising that they'll improve them because they've. Um, because I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why they do that. You know, it's, if you look at the Mummy, for instance, I mean, the Mummy that came out. I won't go too much into detail, but it's terrible, right? And they gave that, they gave that. Film I'm loving the memes from the <laughs> from the new Mummy. Yeah. Love and they a gave, little bit of Brendan yeah. Fraser. <laughs> and they gave that film to uh, the the No Hoper that that helped ruin Into Darkness and. Uh, <laughs> And the Amazing Spider-Man too, and for some reason they considered it a good financial decision to give him 150 million dollars and Tom Cruise for a first-time, essentially a first-time director. And had that been Patty Jenkins as a first-time director, forget about it, you know. And it's, I mean, it's horrible to to think that, but it is. There are so many examples of that where male directors are given that other chance. Hmm. Brian Singer with very, X-Men movies, you know. I like, think it's a yeah. very interesting topic and I feel like I definitely don't know enough because I never pay attention to directors. You'll see that most so, of them are men. Well, no, I, I get that because most of anything really is like men. So I think, yeah, I think that's a much larger discussion and I think the, the proof will be what will possibly happen is there might be another big blockbuster movie that's given a female director that just happens to be crap. And it won't be because it's a female director, it'll be because the person they hired isn't very good. And, you know, that's not, that is not indicative of anything. It could, you know, you could hire anybody who's useless and um, and get the same result. So, um It'd be good if I think it'd be good if there's another success. Patty Jenkins does Wonder Woman two. It's still a success. It still has the same impact. That's that's kind of what we're looking for here, in terms of how to help put an end to that. I think. Yes, they have every just as much right to fail as men do. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just um, yeah. yeah, it's a male centric industry, unfortunately, and and the only way to stop that is by. Encouraging more females to become directors. But when are they going to give a tentpole blockbuster to a transgender person? That's what I want to know. (laughs) Well, they kind of did that with uh, Jupiter Ascending, for instance. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a transgender sibling couple. Yeah. So there. Uh, That has already happened. All right, that was a massive flop. (laughs) (laughs) See, they've got just as much right to fail as well. (laughs) That's right. Everyone has the right to fail. Just going to try. And everyone has the right to a second chance, potentially, which is not something that women typically get in the film industry, unfortunately. Well, again, I feel like maybe we could have like a specific podcast where we discuss things like this and we all do some research. Because I feel like I definitely can't talk that much about it when I literally never pay Point attention. Point break, that's all I'm going to say. Point break, <laughs> Point break is <laughs> awesome. That's a female director, I know that much. But when I think of like my favourite directors, like they're men. 
It's argument over. Point break. Point break. Point break. Yeah, original. Okay, uh, not, mean, okay yeah. so one of them. Oh, well, yeah. Original yeah. best. Original. Yeah. The Punisher Warzone was directed by a woman, I believe. The Heart Locker. Save it, guys. That's Big Lou, right? But that's a the different Heart Locker. But it does bring us naturally on to the significance of this film in terms of, you know, as uh, we've talked about the kind of the behind the scenes thing, but what about in front of the camera? You know, you've got uh, you've got a female led superhero film that's actually good for once. You know, the the other attempts have been shocking, you know, actually unwatchable dreck. Yeah. The the original Supergirl movie, crap. Um and it's not because it's a female superhero, it's just because it's crap. Uh, Catwoman, dreadful. Electra, also dreadful. Yeah, these films are all terrible. And it's not because yeah. they're about women, it's because they're terrible. You it's know just because they're sh- Wonder Woman. <laughs> so it's word of the day I'm trying to use right. it as much as possible yeah. mm-hmm. and obviously as I am um, you know as a, as a white male aged between 18 and 30 I think it's a, I think it's my place to comment on this this issue you don't you know, want to move into the 24 to 34 bracket uh, no <laughs> join <I'm 18>. us <laughs> but I think that um, I think that representation is important because as a white male I've got I've got Wait, you're white <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've just, uh, I've just, I've just coloured myself on a on, on an official podcast. <laughs> no, it's a. Oh my god, Ryan! <laughs> but as a as a white male, I've got representation everywhere. You know, I can look to, I can look to Spider Man. I can look to Captain America. I can look to all sorts of things. There's representation everywhere for me, and uh, there's very little for for women, and there's very little. That's for... not true. That is I'm not true. T- no, I'm t- I'm talking about specifically in the superhero genre. Supergirl. Hawkeye. You've got Batgirl, <laughs> Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Batgirl. You've got loads of them. Yeah, but the well, and while these characters are important, I'm talking about in the mainstream. You know, it's, the comics have a very specific audience. The TV shows have a very a much smaller <gasps> audience. What's Halle Berry's character called in X Men? Any of Thor. the X Men? Any of the female X Men? They're all they're massive. Yeah, so they're also not the focus. X-Men have got, like, some, yeah, like, and they are a Fantastic Four. Well, that's, like, 25% whatever, but... <laughs> yeah, let's let's hold that up as an example. That's a great idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's literally invisible in that movie. <laughs> We've been watching a lot of Arrested Development recently, so uh, yeah. this is quite uh, topical. Yeah, so, but what I'm talking about is, you know, there's, there's representation everywhere for me, right? And what you've got is... And, and a lot of people have been really excited about the fact that they have someone to look at you know, on screen. You know, like young girls, etc., have a lot of yeah. have this icon to look at and be like, this, "That's like me," you know. And it's, uh, I think it's important in that sense. And it's, I'm glad that it was good, or I'm glad that. But you're reducing it. everything down to gender, though. Like, no, I'm reducing everything. I'm talking about representation. I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking, you know, it's. Like Kevin Smith said in the in the um, round table I was a part of, uh, he was talking about how uh, for his daughter he um, he would go to he would go and see Iron Man, he would go see Spider Man with her, but and she would go because he would she was excited that he was excited about them, but there was nothing up there for her. You know, she wasn't going to she wasn't going to look at Mary Jane for inspiration or anything like that. Or so Miss this Potts for oh, be yeah. A secretary. Yeah. So this um, but this film is. You know, it it promotes positive representation. It gives people. I think it. I mean, I'm not probably not seeing it in the right way, but I think it is. It does give people that haven't had necessarily had a lot of representation, a lot of 
you know, a, a mm-hmm. big piece of representation. Yeah, in the right way or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, in the right way as well. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's all about that. Yeah, everybody has something to offer, and the Supergirl TV show is important for that reason as well. Um, it appeal. It, it has a much smaller audience than this film will ever have, oh. but um, but still, you know, people are. Or young girls are starting to see these things and and having things to look. I don't know how many young girls watch Supergirl. Um, well, I don't know yeah, the exact right. figures, but a lot. Okay. It is, um, yeah, it's one of those. I definitely to... feel like it's the thirty to forty year old bracket <laughs> that we watch Supergirl. Male, probably white. Boom! Shout out to um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Yeah, and Buffy was a was a good example of representation from way back, but it didn't really open the floodgates in the way that this film might. What? You don't think that Buffy was, like, massive? Oh, it was massive, but comparative to, you know, anything else. I mean, it's, it was huge. Buffy definitely at- inspired, I don't like, know. loads of, I don't like, know loads if, of people. If the Wonder Woman movie is going to be as much of a watershed moment as it's kind of being made out to be, not just here, but mm. in a lot of other press. Uh but, yeah, we'll but that's see. how that's we'll how see. we saw it. That's how we saw it. I definitely was on Facebook, and people who've seen it are definitely like my sister. It's like loved it and was just like, "It's great," blah blah blah, all of this positive stuff, and it's great because loads of girls are going to see it and whatever. But I just personally didn't enjoy it that much as a movie. I don't really care. If it's a female or not, I literally just went and judged it as a movie. Yeah, and that's and ultimately what you're it. supposed to do. But um, if you look at, I, I'm just talking about a very primal child level. You know, if you, well, I'm not just talking about that, but it's one thing that if you're, you know, as young kids, we obviously all looked up to superheroes or fictional characters, etc. And it, I think it's quite good that um, that that young girls will be able to look to this film and. You know, get that confidence boost that kind of look. I can do this too. You know, and rather than seeing all these male-led things. <laughs> my my point was finished. Uh, Sorry, I was. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I zoned out. I don't know what you said. <laughs> I'm sure I'll listen back though, and I'm sure it's like a really important. Well, I mean, imagine you yeah. saw this. Imagine you saw this film when you were like eight years old, for instance. Yeah. You know, and I'd be horrified. I'd be like, I know, I'd be like, by the oh war my god! And, you know, people yeah. getting their legs blown. I'd off be more scared than when I saw Jurassic Park. People with their faces all blown up and gas yeah. melting these gas It's pretty horrific. If you're eight years old and you're seeing that, your parents are selfish. <laughs> so much violence. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, if I saw yeah. it, I'd probably be like, yes, women on screen. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely be like, whoa, she's badass, but I definitely felt like that, and I'm not eight years old, and I was like, whoa, she's pretty badass. I don't yeah. need to be, I know, I know what you're saying though, but like, literally, if you take an eight year old to see Wonder Woman, you're very selfish. I think if people find it empowering, empowering. or if it's, you know, a, a step in the right direction, good. Good, yeah. definitely, yeah. And I think it's just, and, um, yeah, I, I, would, I saw I where like it could have been better. Yeah, and you could say that about pretty much any film in the genre, you know, uh, yeah. no matter who, or in any genre really, but no matter who is starring in it, who's directing it, who's who the film's about, etc. I think it's mm. um, obviously it could do with some improvement, but I think that um, I think the fact that it's actually firstly by making the action get to you a little bit sooner <laughs> and not having um, Harry Potter's like Uncle Cray there 
being like a bad guy because <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's, I'm glad that it's good. That's all I'm saying. I'm glad that it's good, and I'm glad that someone <laughs> might look at it and see themselves up there. You know, that's, that's yeah, for it to be an inspiration. But let's yeah. make the next one better. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's always make it better. And and let's see how Marvel do with Captain Marvel when they eventually get around to it. Oh god, Captain Marvel is who was that? Who was that when we saw this live? Was that the (laughs) one was that the was that the Lassie? Lassie. Was it the Lassie though? Because they look really boring. What are you talking about? Whoever that like Joey went to see Thor and Loki and all that live in Glasgow. Black Widow. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, okay. wasn't Captain Marvel like the like woman roller skating around? Is that who we're talking about? I don't know if she was roller skating. She was. Uh, I feel like she was roller skating. <laughs> no, she's like roller, roller blades and stuff. Shout out to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Hello. Uh, no, she she flies and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, she looks boring. Uh, and it's uh, Brie Larson that's that's playing the, the God. role. The thing know. is, though, right, they're setting it up for failing because nobody has given any craps for Captain <laughs> Marvel up until they have now realised that they've cycled through 15 characters and they want to pull out another one. If she was that important, she would have been the first one that they spoke about. Yeah, but Ant-Man do. But I haven't seen Ant-Man. <laughs> How would I? Anyway, um, I haven't seen Ant-Man. Yeah, but, well, it's just a character they're getting around to doing. You know, they they tried with oh Iron God. Man first and went on. I swear to God, like, we're going to get to a point where there's, like, they've made 500 of these and no one will give any craps. And that I'm, I feel like I'm already there right now. <laughs> and we're on 15 or something like that. Well. All I'm saying Are you is, looking forward to it, Craig? Am I looking forward to... What specific? Captain, Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. Yes, I am. Uh, like most of these characters, I, I quite like the character, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be interested to see how that, that works out. And I do think that DC have beaten Marvel to the punch on this one thing. What one uh, thing? The the fact that they got a female-led superhero movie. Oh my god! Who yeah. cares? Black Panther, that's what I'm all about. I love Black Panther. <laughs> well, lots, uh, I think lots of people care. You know, there's this kind of eternal measuring contest between uh, Marvel and DC about yeah, who does and, and who steals And we them. have proven it right because we did start off by comparing them both. But well, it's is, impossible Marvel, not to. Marvel have had females in lead roles in a lot of the movies. And wait, on, what no. universe is X-Men? Well. It's own. It's own. Yeah. Right. So, wait, no, is it though? Yes. In the movies, yeah. But in in comic world? No. No. Is it Marvel? Yeah. Yeah. Is it actually Marvel? Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. all of the X-Men Marvel movies have got, I should know that because I've got posters with like massive Marvel on them across X-Men faces. Um, they've always had main lead females. They've always the had men lead females. Male, uh, main, 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 oh, main female leads. <laughs> main right, female females. Lead. Well, they've they've not really. This is how tired I am. Anita, Wolverine. Ten o'clock at night. I've been at work all day. I'm pretty knackered. I can't make sentences. <laughs> the um, well, the lead in most of the X Men movies is Hugh Jackman. He transcends gender. <laughs> he <Yeah>. does. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
arguably Jennifer Lawrence gets a lot to do as Mystique, but she's still not the lead in anything. Halle Berry! She's not the lead in anything. <laughs> she's she's like, in all of them! She's maybe in them, but what is... Like, tell me one thing that she does. She flies, she creates worlds. <laughs> Makes a hell of a cup of coffee. Uh, manages, to flub a, <laughs> manages to flub a line. Does she you know, actually? The, what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? I love that you know that. I don't really. I think it's really it's infamous it. because it was supposed to be kind of matter of fact, but she delivers it with this kind of uh, supposed to be epicness, but it doesn't work. <laughs> but the um, but yeah, I think I think Storm is a really bad example for those X Men movies because she doesn't oh, do that much. But she was also. Cat women, right? Is <laughs> <laughs> it losing a battle? I'll, wait a I'll minute, is Cat women? Wait a minute, is she the only person who's been in Marvel and DC? No. Who else has been in Marvel and DC? Um, that is an answer I don't know offhand. Yes, take that, Craig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that you'd know things like this. Well, technically, Chris Evans has been in Marvel and DC because The Losers is a DC property. It was? Craig's they back in form. A film called The Losers. Uh, Ryan oh, Reynolds, he's been in Marvel and DC. Damn it, I feel like I knew that. Yeah. I feel like I knew that. <laughs> Green Deadpool. And, uh, ben Affleck. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like I knew that as well. Wait a minute, who is he in Marvel? I read Daredevil. Oh, yeah, but... Let's be honest. Like nobody wants to remember that. No, nobody does. But yeah, it's a. <laughs> Not Dara Devil. Dara Devil. So yeah. yeah, representation. It's it's a good film for representation. I would say. And that's that's all I'm saying. As yeah. a as a white male, eighteen to thirty, I think that's important. Our studio be, audience can't tell if you're joking or not. Our studio audience fell asleep slash left long ago. No, I'm talking about I actually legit have studio audience member here participating. Can we get away from the audience? Woo! See, that wasn't me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had it down that we should talk about the wider universe implications, but I think we covered that earlier. At the, yeah, I, and also I'm knackered, so I feel like I'm going to do what happened in Wonder Woman and like nod off. <laughs> um, oh wait, that was not. Gus. <gasps> yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, I think that we've discussed a lot. We have too much think... for audiences to listen to. I think because I think they'll be bored as fuck. Oh, I feel like Craig's gonna well cut it before this time. <laughs> yeah, edit out all of your <laughs> crazy theories <laughs> about Catwoman. <laughs> about how Halle Berry is a female lead in the She's X-Men the best event Mom's ever gonna be there Oh no that's terrible that's So terrible. Um, Yes Yeah as, as you've pointed out um, we've discussed this at length and um, thanks for not reading my review <laughs> <laughs> That was great <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, Tell but me I more. just did read my review so, so that was good yeah. I didn't and it probably wouldn't to be honest. <laughs> oh well, wow. Support the brand. <laughs> Solidarity of the brand, yeah. Right, so any final 
statements or thoughts that, that either of you have that you would like to share with the 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 world on this film? Um, I feel like I've said this before, but this podcast has confused me as to whether I liked the movie or not. <laughs> That's my because I definitely I definitely liked some scenes on visual levels, and I liked some parts of it, and I did enjoy that there was a woman on the screen for a long amount of time and she was awesome but I do feel like the movie was let down in quite a few parts like not even a few in many of in many areas actually like I feel like it could have been much much better and even though I went in with quite low expectations um, I was reading people's uh, opinions that they really enjoyed it so I expected it to be much better than it was and I think was even more disappointed when I left when it was actually shit. So I think I've just answered one question. Yeah, enjoy parts of it. Stream of consciousness. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> I think it started strong with the with the fantasy setting, the funny accents, uh, and then it was interesting to see a bit of World War One. Didn't really like a lot of the mm. representation of it there, and then I thought it ended poorly with another beat 'em up boss battle. Uh, I think I can't. It's difficult to tell. I, I don't know if it's just cynical to think that people are being a bit more positive about this because of all of the sort of gender you debate know. and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. I prefer not to think of it like that. And if people are genuinely enjoying it for what it is, then great. I'm happy for people to to enjoy this film and to really love it. And if it's you give them their bl- your blessing. If, it, <laughs> if it's furthering the the cause of women as lead actors and directors, brilliant. I personally didn't think it was as amazing as a lot of the rest mm-hmm. of the criticism is saying. Yeah, and also that weird animation part when they're telling the story was so awful. I like parts of it started off quite good, and then I was like, "Ugh, what Queen is this?" Of the wrap up. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, I just realised that we didn't. It's been in my head like this whole time, and I realised I didn't say anything about it, but. That was not great. You're going to be so disappointed when I edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be happy to know that I've said it in real nah. life, so it's okay. Yeah, I would edit it out, don't worry. Um, I, I, kind of, I kind of agree that the film isn't like it isn't this transcendental, amazing you know, piece of art that, that will stand word. the test of time. I know, it's a good word. Um, but I think, it, I think it's very good. I think it's a good example of a superhero movie. Um, it's By DC. By anyone, by any standards, it's not, um, you know, it's it's not going to be as iconic as say the original Superman, or, you know, I'm not going to say the Dark Knight, but everyone will say the Dark Knight, so it's not going to be as iconic as that. It's not, you know, it's not going to wow people, or it probably won't stand the test of time as much as the first Spider-Man movie did, um, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. That is, you know, that that kind of movie, <laughs> that made a massive impact, and I think they. But I think it it maybe does open doors for for certain things, um, representation and yeah, and and things like that. But it's flawed. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. It's flawed, but I think the good far outweighs the bad, and I really enjoyed it. I loved the characters. Uh, uh, I thought some of the the action was was amazing, and you know I like Wonder Woman as this symbol of hope because ultimately that's why I love superhero stuff. They're you know they're supposed to be inspiring, and she is inspiring, and it's. And it was great to watch. It was great to see, and 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 I liked the tone. I like. I just liked it. Yeah, let's put it that way. Sum it up in four words. I just liked it. 
So yeah. And I know that you gave it an 8.5 out of 10 because I read your article. Yes. And, that's uh, far too high. That is far too high. It's like 8.5. 8.5 well, really big. Well, if you write some reviews and then you can... <laughs> you write some reviews. started the podcast with the fact that you gave this an 8.5. <laughs> and I stand by my opinion. Oh, God. You're welcome to it. Yeah, you're welcome to it. And I think uh, you can hang out with all the 14-year-old girls that love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's not what I meant by representation. <laughs> <laughs> so on that decidedly creepy Oops. note, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to be hanging around with 14-year-old girls. I'll go on the record saying that right now. Uh, it's not going to happen. So uh, I have nothing to talk about other than this film. <laughs> oh, right, that's enough. Yeah, I'm going away now. We already know your age bracket. Yeah. <laughs> 18 to 30. Tell you. <laughs> White male, 18 to 30. Yeah, it doesn't sound creepier at all when you repeat it. Yeah. It sounds like a description of a serial killer. I was actually just going to go straight out with pedo. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Which would I rather edit be? That. Do not edit this. This is the gold that we've all been waiting for tonight, so please keep in. Yes. Is what she said. Well. Oh, gross. No, sorry. I'm no. so sorry. Thank you to the uh, well. Thank you to you, members of the GLS, the Justice League of Scotland. GLS. Um, oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> no, no. Our studio audience member is uh, is rolling about, writhing in pain. Yeah, yeah. Not not with laughter. Sorry. Good. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> He's representing the entire listener base of this podcast. I just want to say a, a massive thank you to Kieran for sitting beside me on the sofa all night, listening to. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Thanks, thank you. Yeah, and I want to say thanks again to Paul for your continued support. Listener Paul. Yeah, and if Paul, if you can think of any other quotes of mine that you want on a t shirt, uh, please let me know. You can find them in the (laughs) Neil Before Blog store. I'm actually going to be working on that, Craig, so. Are you? Yeah. Oh dear. That's probably going to cost us money. Um, Also, I'd like to thank Empire Magazine for the free advertising. Yes, which, as social media manager, I will very soon be putting up on our Facebook page. And Empire, if you're listening, uh, our legal team will be in touch. Uh, I won't tell you that that's me. Because... <laughs> Once they've dealt with Fox. <laughs> Once they've dealt with Fox. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I actually think it shows how, how good we are um, if we're getting legal things. <laughs> if we're getting legal troubles. Yeah. yeah. Lawsuits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Means we're, we're big enough to bother about, right? Why do you think I moved house to avoid all the lawsuits? <laughs> anyway, right. Yes. Um, on that note, I think it's time to wrap up. So thank you, Justice League. Gracias. I don't want to be part of this Justice League because I don't really like it that much. Oh, great. Can I be something else? Uh, you can be the villain. No, no, that's worse. Well, in the Avengers. <laughs> the Avengers. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Expendables. <laughs> Can we just say bye? <laughs> like, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs> Wonder Woman
That was our discussion of Wonder Woman. Thanks to YouTuber Einstein's 1117 for the supplied music. As always, if you like what you heard, then please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. We hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. For your rights and the old red, white, and blue. Bye.